not sure that's enough of a pop to really pick up. No, on the, the screwing, pop. the I, it did. I I heard it in the cans. Ooh, okay. It's early. Wow, it's pre six p.m. It's really early. I'm overjoyed Wild. that I'm going to get to eat dinner at a reasonable hour. Wow. And uh, that we're recording on time for once, but I'm so tired. wake up at 10 a.m. So you, you know, should be fine. You have no excuse. I've had a dull headache all day because I was I was like, why? What's the pain? Where's the pain coming from? And I was like, I didn't really have coffee for two days. And I was like, Ooh, going through. Oh, you think you're having a withdrawal? A little withdrawal moment. Really? Why like, don't? Uh, why didn't you use that opportunity to just push through 72 hours and then you're off coffee for life? I want my go-go juice. I'm not really sure that's how it works. Anyways. I don't think that's how that works. But that's what they say about addiction things. If you get through day three, you're fine. You're a little smoother sailing after that. I don't want to say it's easy. Well, I don't know when the last time I went a day without coffee was. I feel like that addiction really hangs on. But that one's the. That's a tough one. That's a monkey that's just you know holding on to the last three hairs on my head and just going like. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I've gotten a lot better though. You know, the last maybe three years or four years, Mm. I'm pretty much a one to two cups a day person. I don't really exceed that. On weekends, I go absolutely ham because there's just no risk. I I might have four or five, you know, a a solid half a pot of coffee in the morning. That's a lot. You know, but I'm also drinking it longer. Like I I, I wake up and start drinking coffee and then I don't really stop until like noon or 1 p.m. So, however many cups fit between like nine a.m. and one p.m. That could is be the whole thing. That could be the whole jug. It does get there sometimes. It gets Oof. close to that. Yeah. But you know, on a weekday, I'm pretty good. I usually have one mug of, co- of coffee at home, uh-huh. and then I go to work, and I have one more when I get to work. Oh. Sometimes <laughs> I skip one or the other of those, though. So it's really not too much. I, I'm proud of that. I don't think that's too bad. I usually will bring my little like carry thing, but and then maybe have one more. But I've been I've been good. I've been having tea. Oh. In the afternoon. Afternoon tea, yeah. I don't have afternoon coffee. That's a big no-no. I learned that from Andrew Huberman. Who the fuck is this person? He's a he's a health guru, influencer, podcaster, YouTuber. Is he also the guy who was like, you know, if you want to <clears> kill <throat> yourself, let's let's walk you through it. Really? Did he do a video about this? I don't know. What are you talking about? Maybe. Did some influencer in- encourage uh, kill yourself? Yeah, kind of. Really? Yeah. And then they walked through the steps? What I methods did they I don't know. I just saw explore? a thing that was like, you know, if you're... I, I, couldn't i don't know i just was like is this what people are doing is this what people who are like on health things are like you know what this is a new mode you know i don't know that that feels like a uh cia psyop like putting fent in the heroin or putting trank in the gear or whatever you know they're just trying to clear the decks of some of these wounded soldiers so that our welfare state doesn't cost so much money that's my conspiracy theory about Andrew okay. Huberman incu- encouraging suicide, okay. allegedly. Well, I don't for legal purposes, let's say allegedly, because I'm not 100% sure we're talking about the same I don't person. Know. I don't... There's a lot of things that happen on internet that you see on, like, clips on Explore or on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen on the internet that, you you know, originate on TikTok that you see on Instagram reels that are reposted on X, Uh formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, 
Is this what people are really watching? I guess so. It's the same thing like with the people of like, if you find a dollar bill on your car, someone's going to cut your Achilles. Yeah, that's right. Like it's like suburban terror. I kind of love that. The suburban paranoia of like gang members initiating themselves by, you know, slashing your tires and then getting your Achilles. Sure. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, people are going to waste like good drugs trying to chloroform you with a napkin. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. Everybody's always like, worried that you're going to get, like, hit with, you know, crack in your weed or whatever. And it's like, hey, drug dealers don't do that because that shit costs money. Yeah, duh. They would just tell you it was in there and then charge you more for it. That's the whole point. Yeah, we're we're running businesses here, people. You Come know? on, what are we doing? I guess, apparently, with the fentanyl, mm-hmm. and now there's a new thing called Trank. Did you know this? No. Trank, it's, it's literally like a tranquilizer. And apparently, you know... For the for the addicts, it's quite good because it's you know it simulates the heroin pretty well for a cheaper price. But if you miss the vein in your arm a mm-hmm. little bit, yeah, you get like permanent gangrene. Ew. You get like wounds that just won't heal, Ooh. and it usually results in amputation. Ooh. Anyway, I didn't start off to say that, but that's just a tidbit I learned today. I mean, were you on the train? You took the train on Friday, correct? Or did you drive oh, from work last t- Friday? Last Friday, I drove. Mm. You missed some wildness on the trains why what was going on lots of passed out people because of the snow oh i didn't miss that entirely because that you know all last week it was pretty cold yeah yes uh, a lot of the trains that i take on my daily commute were seriously populated with bombs it was fully well i haven't heard that word in a, i haven't heard that word in a while but it was like just fully like passed out people and i was like whoa yeah, yeah, yeah. what is going on no i know i'm taking it a little too lightly it's yeah the the um let's say the unhoused population of all varieties they're having a really hard time because the drugs now are really bad you know no. so this trank and this fent and stuff apparently the deal is it comes in from like china i think it's like a deliberate effort on the part of chinese companies a to make money and b to undermine the you know the fabric of the united states and apparently (sighs) the like mexican and south american cartels are quite upset about this Mm. they don't like their reputation being besmirched by an inferior product that sounds right so if you're like pushing chinese fent or trank as a dealer the cartels will come after you oh they're so they're in a like a shadow war with the chinese now okay and apparently the Chinese are coming over the su- southern border. Did you realize this? That can't be true. It, it's definitely true. Who? Ugh. So, so I don't, you know, I don't think it's, the way I read about it, it wasn't affiliated with some sort of, like, clandestine action. They're not trying to create, like, splinter cells over here or, like, a fifth column to take down the government or anything. It's nothing so extreme. Remember how we talked about quiet quitting? In China, the Chinese youth oh, were the, like the lay down, yeah. lay down. Yeah, that's what they called it. Mm-hmm. There's a new concept called run. Mm. Um, I guess that I, I don't understand what the parallel is, but I guess the English word run, R U N, and the Chinese anglicized spelling R U with like a dash above it, N, is some sort of like what would you call that like synchronicity yeah so it's nice because what they're doing apparently is like illegally emigrating out of china because they're tired of the authoritarianism this is a lot of young people in their Mm. 20s so i guess there's like a few different contingents like wealthy business oriented chinese people are going to japan because often they can learn language and like get a job there yeah the uh more hippie or free thinking set tends to go to thailand and burning man out 
and sounds right. do drugs yeah. and like you know moped around the countryside. Sure. Apparently, a lot of them lie to their parents that they're actually studying abroad in Europe, and they go as far as to like um, research the weather in the fictional country they're supposedly in, mm. so that if their parents ask, they can de- deceive them. Okay. So, so there's the Thailand set, but then there's another set of e- even more dispossessed people that save up money. Who are like, ooh, America sounds great. They ooh. go to Southeast Asia, and then they get over, and just, they go down South America way, Michael, and they come up through uh, the same path that, like, you know, uh, an El Salvadorian or, like, a Guatemalan would use to immigrate into this country. And apparently, a lot of them make it, and they get huh. taken advantage of by the coyotes and all mm. the same, like, you know perilous encounters one would have illegally smuggling themselves across the texas border but apparently like thousands of chinese people have done this at this point and i keep and i read about this today and i kept wondering like i wonder if many of them make their way to new york it feels like they could thrive because there's a lot of chinese speaking people here Mm -hmm. it's like one thing to get into texas and then you go to like oklahoma city no go to california i don't know this isn't really going to work but yeah you could go to san francisco or you could go to New York. I mean, I'm sure they're making their way to the big cities. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're an illegal Chinese immigrant that came through Mexico, we would like to interview you. What? I'm officially putting that out there. Okay, you can do that. <laughs> I would do that, actually. That, that would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's that's my China news for the day. Oh, wow. I, I follow a, uh, what's well, just a conventional blog that uh, th- this guy is like, he's like embedded in China. He's like an American. And his whole job is like, probably on behalf of the government, let's be honest, in some clandestine way, trying to write about the Chinese economy from within China. So he made a big long post today about hmm. run. Interesting. Yes. Huh. I mean, why not just go to Australia? Sounds fun there, except for the giant spiders. I, mean, I don't know. Seems... Australia doesn't seem very fun. I think if you're running away from like COVID authoritarianism, the second worst place to go, other than China, is probably Australia. Australia? They locked da- they locked down just as long, um, or yeah, nearly but... in a lot of cases. Yeah, but then after that, shrimps on Barbies, kangaroos. You know, I don't get the sense though. This is bin pigeons pure dubious speculation here but i don't get the sense that the aussies are like the chillest Super when it comes welcoming. to other races no shit i think they're racist they're british yes they're trash british too the british yeah. are already trash let's be real well, yeah, yeah. and you know the irish are, are fighting for second place but uh, uh, the australians i mean they're high up there I, I love that the scottish really come out on top they're like we just want to hang out with our sheep and just like make scotch can you leave us alone yeah i don't think anybody really has a problem with the scots they seem all right to me they're like our balls are out the kilts are on like they're mountain people everybody just chill you know mountain people are natively naturally higher on on the on the stool they're higher on the pedestal because they live at higher elevations Mm. unlike the lowland hobbits you know they're kings of the mountain they're viking stock they're scotland's not like mountainous it's just slightly taller well it's got terrain it's got hills yeah there's no like real mountains in the uk no you know flat as fuck there's no rocky mountains in the uk no they don't have that they have to cross the channel i wonder if they have scottish mountain oysters the fuck is that you eat the gonads of like a herding goat that's probably something in haggis (laughs) i don't know um oh well uh huh well that's what an intro. We have 
<laughs> yeah, I've been kind of I've you know I've been a little schizophrenic on the podcast lately. I feel mm-hmm. like our last episode was a little all over the place as well. Oh, it was funny. I didn't listen to it all the way through. I just was like, "What was the title? Great, got the title." Oh, that's all you got to do. You, you get as yeah, you get as far as the title. I'm like, and I'm good. Okay, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I woke up early today because I knew I was coming here after work. <laughs> so I decided to do a thing I don't normally do, which is move my car before oh, work. Yeah, and I realized. Hey, sometimes I think senses. losing the half hour of sleep was kind of worth it in this case. I got a way better spot way faster than I normally do. Mm-hmm. Granted, it is a wind Wednesday, so it's kind of a free day. You don't have to move your car today. Yeah, you move it in anticipation. I just moved it in anticipation, which I would usually do tonight. Yes. But it was a much more pleasant experience. I kind of liked it, so I might start doing it every morning. It's sometimes easier. Sometimes it's easier, yeah. Like around 9. Well, eight, I don't eight, have that luxury. I did it at like 7 yeah. in the morning, and it was fine. Yeah, because yeah, people out there are driving to work or driving to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. People like literally commute, so, you know. Yeah, they don't really care about moving their car. I think it kind of paid off, but I'm just trying to also explain my sleepiness. I've been awake like an extra hour longer, and I, I happen to have a busy day at work today. Oh. Work's kind of heating up again. There's been a suspiciously slow start to the year, hmm. but now we're kicking into gear, and I, I resent that. Well... So I'm tired. It makes sense. Yeah. That's almost February. When's Armory? In like five weeks? Oh, I don't know. I don't even know if anybody does that anymore. I don't know. I think that's more of like a thing for people that hawk like third-hand Rodan bronzes. You know what I'm saying? Oh. I feel like it's more of like a the classic. Oh, the classic one on the high shown, floors? Oh. You know, and I'm sure there's some absolutely terrible like 23rd Street style schlock at the Armory too. Oh, I don't know. You know. I don't go to those but things. Hey. Hey, art stuff. Yeah, I might as well. I went to Dia over the weekend. Oh, I saw you won that. You won that, or you lost that uh, contest to get the miles in the car. Oh, I well, I won the contest. Did oh, you... I'm. Uh, you're saying because we talked about New Haven. Yeah. Well, I I didn't I didn't lose. We we talked about it, and I also decided it would probably be better to just go upstate, and it was. I think that was the right decision. New Haven's not very picturesque. No, and especially after you warned me about the line, that wasn't that wasn't something I had considered. I also think post snow probably better to just stay on a clean interstate. Well, and I also wanted to do like a nice, pleasant drive, and it was nice. Mm-hmm. I got to drive in the country a lot. You know, I drove back at night. You know, some winding, you know, country freeways. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just driving, what what even is that? Ninety five. Just driving ninety five, like through the wastelands of Connecticut. Uh huh. Oh look. It's, you know, Hartford. Ugh. No. I know you're not going by that. But, all, but what I'm saying is all Connecticut cities look like Hartford. In other words, they look depressing and boring and generic. Yeah, Stamford. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. Stamford is what I was thinking of. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't want to do that either. Mm. So, you know, we went to Dia. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember the last time I went to Dia. Do you remember the last time you went? I was in a wheelchair. It was that long ago. Yeah. Because I remember that time as well. I think I went, last time I went one other time since then, maybe, but that it was at least seven years, six, seven yeah. years ago. Never seen it uh, on foot. Interesting. That's funny. It wasn't as expansive as I remember. Granted, mm-hmm. two major sections of it were closed. That might have something, yeah. One for an unclear reason and one for installation. Hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, all the all the same all the same stuff was there. They got those shapes, shape holes in the floor. 
They do. They have the Michael Heiser shape holes in the floor. Uh-huh. I did not set up an appointment, so I, I've never walked near those. You know how they have like a glass barrier around them? Oh, yeah. You're allowed to breach the barrier. If you set up like a timed ticket, they'll take you in there and, you know, you can stare down and go, oh, this kind of looks like the 9-11 memorial. Wait, they have a glass? But I thought they just had tape on the floor. No, no. There's a glass barrier around them, and for good maybe, reason. Maybe now? Because they're really deep. I mean, you can, no, that was always there. I remember it. Okay. You can see the bottom of the one. Like, they put the glass barrier close enough to one of them so you can get a sense of how deep they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're probably 20 feet deep. Oh, that's pretty deep. And they're two levels. So, like, you know, level number one is 10 to 12 feet deep, and then it's another 10 to 12 feet down. Mm. Um, I'm assuming they're all that deep. But it would be scary to be near them, I think. It's a little scary being behind the glass barrier near the one. Yeah. At least for me. But, no, I've never done that. But I looked at them, yeah. The Michael Heiser stuff's cool. Mm. Uh, The Warhol Shadows are back. They've um, been there though, haven't they? They they the when we went together, I know they were there, yeah. and I'm pretty sure the second time I went, they were also there. But they were taken down for a while. I think they went to like D.C. or something. They were somewhere else for a good while. Well, they were in, for a year or two. Oh, years and years and years and years and years ago, at the Hirshhorn, they did them in the Rotunda. I don't think that's as. I, but that was like 2010, 2011. No, 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 no. It wasn't that long ago. Really? I know what you're talking about, and I think it was only a few years ago. Oh. And then maybe they did some conservation or maybe they just had something else that was up for a while, but they did not reinstall them again until December of 23. Huh. So weird. I learned that on the way up there and then I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'm glad I didn't miss those. And of course, you know, the Warhol shadows are goat. Those are really fun to see. And I really like that every time they install them. They choose different ones. The, you know, just the handlers or maybe the curator or whatever just gets to decide what goes up and what order they go in. And the way they did it this time was kind of fun because they grouped the similar colors together for the most part. Huh. Rather than, like, try to come up with, like, a quirky random assortment, it was yeah. like, no, there's three pink ones in a row or no, there's four orange ones in a row or no, the, all the black and white ones are in one corner. Yeah, I feel it like was really cool. Actually, it I thought great. they usually group the like black and gray ones together, so it looks like. I feel like you know, people probably are just attracted to doing. They're like, that. "Ooh, I like doing that." So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna keep that. I up. bet yeah. that happens more often than not. Uh-huh. And you know, to their credit, it looks great. I mean, they did they did an all black and white and silver corner, and mm. then the nearest color to it was red, so it was like the very severe, um, you know, basically. The unnameable color scheme. Um, we call those power colors. Yeah, whatever power color. The, the power color corner Ooh. looked very cool. Yeah. And then just, you know, they had other, like all the blue ones were in a row. It was great. It looked really nice. Um, my overall take on Dia, though, unfortunately, before that, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the Robert Ryman's were part of part of it, which was closed. And that oh. bummed me out because I really oh, looked forward hallway? to seeing those. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have a bunch of them, you yeah, know, yeah. and those two galleries were closed and Ryman's always nice to see in like nice country light. You know, you get a different experience every time. Um, and there's not that many paintings at Dia. So I was, you know, kind of like itching for that after you see a bunch of cube sculptures. They still got know? those strings. That one they guy? got Fred Sandback yeah. all over the place. I saw somebody, uh, well, I missed the actual incident by a fraction of a second, but somebody walked into one of them and snapped it. And so I saw the, you know, artwork temporarily removed and like a sad hanging piece of yarn and someone on a walkie-talkie like panicking. Someone walked into it? Yeah. <laughs> How much of a dingling? Well, in fairness to them, it was a very bright and very sunny day. Perfect for Dia, by the way, just overall. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the ones with a yellow string. So in a, like, 
pretty much white room, yellow string, bright light. I can sort of see how you would walk into it. Mm. I can sort of see how you'd walk into a lot of them, actually. If you didn't know they were there, you're not like, they don't register. Very uh, I would heavy. have loved to known who walked into it. Did they like? Did they scuttle away? No, they were not. They were not there. They they had clearly just exited the scene, and yeah. it was a couple of panicking, you know, local guards just going like, going, uh, "Oh no, we're gonna yeah. get in trouble for this." But they were not though. Nobody cares. It's a fucking piece of yarn, you know. The most expensive I mean, thing about a Fred Sandbeck. You know? That's the problem. Yeah, I didn't. I was hoping I would see them fix it, but they couldn't because of that. Yeah, yeah. I was looking like really carefully at the the hardware that they use on those because it's very invisible it's like a, and i couldn't quite figure out how like it was done pin. yeah but like the somehow it's like a threaded pin and mm-hmm. they must have to drill a hole in the ground with like a threaded insert yeah but i couldn't really tell how the yarn connects to the pin because it just goes like into it yeah so you can't see any visible apparatus it's actually kind of amazing i want to like figure out i want to look at the mcmaster car catalog and all you know 7,500 pages of it uh-huh. and try to figure out like what precisely those are called. I have no use for them at all, but I just want to know. The The cord itself might actually just be one yarn, but then it's plied around like a s- single thing and then so it loops oh, maybe. under. And then, maybe. That's probably right. And then it's hidden because yeah. those the heads of those are always like in the ground. So you can probably just be like and then yeah, I think all you got to do is... at the ceiling, no one can see it, so who gives a shit what that yeah, looks like? Yeah, that's, you know, th- that's the best part about those to me. Although, I, I have to say, Fred Sandback's work never registers with me. I don't really care about it or mm-hmm. particularly like it. But at Dia, it looks good. It looks good. great. And, and, and it has its intended effect of kind of, you know, creating enough of a margin around an arbitrary, like, rectangle of space that it sort of looks like a mirror or something. That's what That's what they do, is frame empty space. And they do it well, and when they're around a bunch of other geometric forms... You're like, ooh. You're yeah. like, okay, I get this work now. Yeah. Um, overall, though, I have to say, it was a nice experience, and it was a very nice day, but I'm a lot less enchanted by like that style of work anymore. I'm just like not that into it, I have to be honest. You don't want some quiet minimal nonsense? No, like they had these Larry Bells there. A lot of people have been posting them on Instagram because they're giant, very pretty like sort of smoked glass cubes and they're on pink carpet oh that, that's been there and yeah. you know the light reflects around and it yeah. looks really nice and it's fun to take a selfie in or whatever but i'm also just kind of like i don't know they didn't it's do just a glass cube and then i look at the donald judds and i'm like i don't know it's just plywood and, and then i look at the fred sandback and i go i don't know it's just yarn and i look at the michael heisers and i go i don't know it's just a hole <laughs> like there's just there's just nothing juicy about them to latch onto. I I did end up liking a lot of the Robert Smithsons. Um, you know, there's like a mirror stuck in a sand pile. Oh yeah, yeah. bunch of broken glass shards, yeah, yeah, shards, bunch of rocks on mirrors. At least there's like a contrast. Is there still that circle? No, or no, not that circle. Like a stack of clear glasses that's kind of shattered. Oh, I know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. Okay. That's actually not there right now. Huh. Um. But, you know, at least there's, like, some kind of contrast of materials to mm-hmm. be like, okay, something dynamic about this. That's nice. Did, were, was the boys thing? that like, Wasn't there, like, a pile of hay or a pile of fabric, Robert Morris or something, a pile uh, of felt? Uh, there was no kind of Robert Morris there bit. this time. The only things I can think of in this vein was there was a lot of Mario Merritt's, a lot of Art de Porvera, like, piles of sticks. Mm, which it. I have to say, also, I, I don't, that stuff I don't normally like, but I found myself strangely attracted to some of it. I was kind of like, okay. 
I don't know. Again, like it was just a little more. It was a little jazzier. Mm. I was like kind of dying for that. What about the guy with the colored poles? No, that what no that French guy that he leans them in the corner or whatever. Yeah, what's his name? Is it Andre Kadere? No. Yeah, that's that's who it is. Yeah. Oh, I fully doubted myself. I was like, well, I don't know. But you know, no. Uh, that so that was kind of whatever. They had a Mary Heilman installation that I didn't like because it was just not Heilmans that I am like familiar with. It wasn't a lot of paintings. I'm assuming they're early Heilmans. It was a lot of like black lumpy paper mache sort of. No, I didn't oh, like okay. them. I didn't take pictures of them. No. Uh, sort of like wall based sculptures. I. It was not good. Okay. I have well. to just be honest. The like contemporary artists that they had there in their like temporary exhibition space were not good or interesting, so I don't hmm. even remember their names. Um my favorite piece from there that was closed is the Bruce Nauman video in the basement. Oh yeah. Of the night vision in his studio. Yeah, I always think that's like really around. fun yeah. and I was disappointed to find that for no reason at all that's closed. Was the green um uh, flavin up? The green one was not up, but the Flavins were good. I have to give it to them. The that Flavins gr- that, that are up are good. That green fence is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And in the basement, you're like, ooh, feels like a club down here. Well, no, the whole basement was closed. I forgot uh, that the green fence is down there, so you couldn't even go down there. That sucks. Yeah, that does suck. That was a big chunk of it. But the Flavins they had upstairs were good. They're, they're these like multicolored Flavins where there's like one color of lights um, that face towards the wall and then one color that face out. So they're very Instagrammable. The way that they light the space is very prismatic and like oh, yeah, yeah, fun yeah, 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 yeah. and beautiful, and they're very simple. Like a well-installed Flavin is really a nice thing. It makes me want to make them on my own. You know how people like replicate Saul Lewitt like wall drawings at home because yeah. they're just rule-based. I'm like, you could just do that with a Flavin too. Yeah. Apparently, those light bulbs are hard to get, but you know, not really. You could get a similar. You just get the thing. LED one and then cover yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Who fucking cares? Perfect. Now yeah. you have a Robert Irwin. You know. Kind of, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not enthralled with like large scale minimalism. I feel like I used to like that more, but I, I, I didn't. It didn't kick. It didn't hit with me. I, I'll, I'll give you this. I don't think the countryside is the place to see it. Uh, like as opposed to like what, like going to Marfa, like that's a different version like a, of desert countryside that's yeah. maybe more appropriate. I don't know. But, uh, you know, like, because I walk by the Judd Foundation every day. Yeah. And, like, when I see things in there, like, the furniture especially, or, like, a cube or something, I'm like, you know what? That's right. Yeah. Like, I don't, uh, maybe it's just, like, the darkness of the hardwood. But, like, you know, it needs a tighter room. It's too much space. Those rooms at Dia are just too much space. Hmm. Like, you need a, like, tall ceiling still. You need a tighter little room so they can feel a little heftier. But when they, they there's so much space out there that you're like, okay, yeah, maybe or like I, you know, I don't know, because after dirt. all, it's like an old factory building or whatever, so it does kind of have the aesthetics that you're describing. Yeah, big, wide. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know for me if that hurts a lot of it, but I get, I get what you're laying down. Like, there's something about the austerity of the minimalist works that um, becomes more pronounced and stylish in like a city environment. Where it's a little busier. Well, they should also be like, a little. It's impo- calm on calm at Dia. It neuters them a little bit. They should be a little imposing, I like agree. a Judd yeah. stack in a tight room. You're like, hmm. what if, yeah, it, did, what if yeah. it did fall down on me? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like a uh, dirt room 
in Soho too. Oh, right, right. Like again, tight little, you know. Well, you know, I've been dealing with a Donald Judd at work. Mm-hmm. Um, have I told you about the Judd no. at all? I think I did. I sent you a picture of it. We've been dealing with this for like a month. It's a purple Judd. That's oh, a, yeah, yeah, a yeah, late yeah. Judd. It's purple and copper. It's very nice. It's a very nice stack. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm what you're saying is resonating with me because it's been in one of our viewing rooms, and our viewing rooms are not small, but they're city sized. They're not yeah. massive. And I really liked um, this piece installed because it's just shy of the light track mm-hmm. when it's fully installed. So like it barely fits vertically. Yes. You know, in a pretty tall space and seeing it like smashed by the ceiling and floor or mm-hmm. just like in tension with the architecture does make it really work. Whereas you go and see that at MoMA where the ceilings are 45 feet high on the sixth floor, and you're like, this is just a thing on the wall like so many other things on the wall. Yes. It doesn't have interaction with, like, infrastructure. Right. And I think that for Judd especially, that's important. Yeah. You know? That's why that show kind of sucked. I mean, the California closets were the best thing. Yeah. That show did kind of suck. Yeah. Sometimes I think back to that show and think, what a missed opportunity. Well, that was also the last show before covid and stayed up after covid for like six months so it was like oh we can go out oh fuck we gotta go see judd i was talking to somebody recently i I think it was because we've been dealing with this judd i was talking to somebody at work about that show at moma and the disappointment everybody seemed to have in it or just how much of a nothing burger it was like it was was very forgettable yeah and i was trying to analogize it to the charles ray show like a show where there was few things in a large space mm-hmm. but that worked really really well and i felt enhanced his work and like made me understand it in a way i had never like previously experienced yeah and then the judge show just didn't do that even at all yeah and for work that's so uh pared down in the first place i think your cur- curation has to be good yeah like you know i'm not usually one to harp on like exhibition design i don't normally care very much or regard it very much but that was a real swing and a miss because again how much of that was just no floating walls yeah yeah just shit piles on the floor like you have to like make the space tight so it gets a little treacherous to walk around it because you're like oh i don't want to touch it but like oh it's right there oh shit you know like you need that tension because that's so embedded in so many works where he was bitching to his fabricator about like motherfuckers touch it again or it's broken Mm -hmm. you know like that back and forth narrative is in the background of all of those works of like it looks industrial but it's so fucking precious yeah and you need that tension otherwise if there's plenty of room to walk around it you're like might as well you know build a four inch rise white platform and make it into a furniture display showcase yes Uh, maybe maybe we can talk about on the after show i'm a little circumspect about saying too much but uh, we had a tease it by saying we had a conservator around today like an outside person that we don't normally work with Mm -hmm. because this is a a sales proposition so it's their person the client's person and i was dealing with a conservator and this judd all day today so i have a lot to say about things like this but um recently for no reason at all, I went back and read the Manhattan Art Review's uh, essay on Jasper Johns. Remember when the, the Jasper Johns yeah. show was up and they did that long piece? Well, I had forgotten that a big chunk of that was actually about Donald Judd. Because <laughs> oh, the whole premise of the essay was, um, y- you know, outlining like a certain Johnsian methodology, but then contrasting it to Judd Warhol and Duchamp. Oh, right. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. But the Judd section was really interesting to me. And this was after I went to DIA. I didn't read this before, but... Um, 
he's kind of really critical of Judd in that essay. Mm. You know, in a constructive way that's there to uh, build up J.J. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he says about minimalism in general, but Judd in particular, is that, like, the the reliance on, like, saying that one way of doing something is better than another way. In other words, the ideology of minimalism yeah. really <clears throat> leads it to being, like, simply a repetition for its own sake and like stylish proposition Mm -hmm. like like it or not donald judd's aesthetic gets co-opted and basically becomes like a thing for furniture designers and like you know uh visual merchandisers rather than for fine artists i've been on that tip since you know forever but you know yeah and so having seen judd's idea judd's at my job and then reading that, I was like, oh, yeah, that like it, it is really true. And you just alluded to it a second ago where there's like, so much preciousness about that work that seems counter to the whatever purpose it's trying to serve or like whatever point it's trying to make industrial production, this and that. It's like it's not it's both too superficial and too pretentious at the same it's time. Too fucking pretty, which just doesn't work, yeah. especially the one that you are dealing with is a sec. Like, and I, oh, told, yeah. I told you, I was like, I've seen a picture of it once beyond the one. I was like, I think I saw that in a catalog a long, long, like, you know, yeah. I was like, I know that that existed. Um, but like for me, like the furniture is always the most interesting thing. Like the bed, the, the fused twin beds for his kids where it's like an H shape. And then there's mattresses. I'm like, well, that's ingenious. You're like, well, I have one room. Fuck it. Just put them next to each other like that. Like, great. I mean, the, <coughs> How much of like how much of that sense of designiness and like what minimalism ended up becoming, which was just like an aesthetic for the bourgeoisie, how much do you think that that was self aware on the part of like the people making it like the Judd furniture would lead me to believe that like he pretty much knew that he was just making the new hotness, but he was that, making it for himself. For his office, his home. He never exhibited that stuff, or mm. or that wasn't the intention of it? That was never intended to I be, see. like, done. But now you can just buy a chair for about $800, and it's fabricated at the same places. Or yeah, the same right. uh, carpenter will do it for you. Well, so, God, yeah. I mean, the, the, like, three or four people that orbited Judd to make his work that are still alive, I mean, they really hit the jackpot. They're the ones who are like, well... They have a lifetime just worth of basically, like, I know how to do basic woodworking. Yeah. And now, or, like, metalwork, and now I have a job forever. Well, and Rainer will let them do it. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah, the the uh, Manhattan Art Review a- essay about Johns is really interesting. Because the, the point at the end of the day about all this stuff about Judd and superficiality and austerity and all this was to say that like Judd's work was really easily commercialized and commodifiable yeah. in a way that Jasper Johns' work never has become. No, you can't. Which is very interesting. You can't do it with you paintings. Ju- you just literally can't do it. Hard to do with paintings because there's nothing... Well, no, it's not that hard to do with painting because mm. the example of Warhol is in there to demonstrate that it's very easy to do oh, with okay, paintings, actually. But mm. uh, something about the tension in Johns' work between... like. You, you know the materiality of the thing and the iconicity of the thing doesn't allow it to become posterified in the same way, which I think is really true. That was a, that was a nice that was a nice thing to revisit because you can be like you can be an iconic artist without your work ever becoming like kitsch, whereas like pop art ends up in like street art and Donald Judd ends up as like high end furniture. Yeah, Jasper Johns. I mean, there's no. 
Well, because he also took things. There's no straight line to any one like commodity. He also took stuff. commodities and then made them into something. Like I think of the vase as being the most kitsch thing. Yeah. Vase face. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, eh, well, you take it from the everyday, turn it into something else. The targets are this too. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, just waiting for the Jasper Johns for Target line, you know. I mean, I'm... Severin I, coffee mugs or whatever. I can't imagine that in our, like, uh, you know, totally greedy world... He's also the only one still alive who can say no. That he, that has, that he has never been approached about things like this. I guarantee you the Target Corporation wanted to do something like that at some point. And he said, you know, in Minnesota, uh, yeah, no thanks. In Minnesota, they're like, can you, can we buy one? And mm-hmm. he's like, they're in me. No, just first of all, no. Second of all, no. Yeah. Ship sailed, you know. Well, like, and, it, it, and it kind of terrifies me for when he finally dies because I'm like, he doesn't really have like kids or a family. Like whoever gets control of this is going to be a greedy little pecker and mm-hmm. start selling this off to the the lowest bidder. You know, like how Bob Dylan was like really not commercial, and then he ended up like basically being like in Ford F one fifty commercials. I can just see that about I... ten years down the road. Although the counterpoint to that is that he seems like he's already thinking along these lines and has pretty tight control of what they are and are not allowed to do because he's like turning his home into a residency. Yeah, like he he. It seems like he's like I should have died like twenty years ago. Uh-huh. I'm still alive. Let's focus on this Let's and get keep this it tight tidy. Yeah. so that my assistant that was stealing prints out of my drawer doesn't start selling Never gets my back. shit yeah. to, a, to uh-huh. a big box retailer. Yes, correct. <laughs> and that's why it's like, yeah. this is why you have Matthew Marks instead of Larry. That's right. That's right. You know, like, Larry would be like posters. Oh, God. This is, Don't threaten me with a good time. This is sparking my memory about that Judd again after show material, if you'll remind mm, Yeah. Um, you know, like, the... the the people who didn't last long, you know, like, granted, like, all Judd things, like, pro- the reason why that the New York show sucked is that all the good stuff doesn't leave Marfa. And you're like, mm, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's no good late example except for those, like, small things that you can put in an apartment that people bought right. for cheap because everyone thought they were schlock. You know, like, whatever. Um, but it's not as if you have to go make a pilgrimage to Connecticut to see the best JJs. No, no, yeah, they're just kind of spread around. You just got to go, you know, take a hike up to 54th. Well, and he has a high enough hit rate without be it, it's ironic because he does repeat images, but he d- he has a high hit rate without being repetitive. Yeah. That you can see kind of almost any of them and have a rewarding experience even if you don't see like the best of them. Yeah. You know? Like, that little one at the Cleveland Museum of Art is fascinating to me. Yeah. It's like a tiny Yusu Yuki painting. He made a million of those. Yeah. There's, but that one is that one still is, singular and good. You that know? little one is also regarded as, like... One of the better examples. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Also still down. Maybe they're cleaning it or something. I, I've always felt that that painting was dingy. I, photographs of that painting, like in the catalog resume, don't mm-hmm. look like what it looks like in life. And I wonder if they're cleaning it. How do you clean wax? You get in there with a Q-tip, and you fucking go to town. It probably takes a long time. I think the the frame is also gross. Yeah, it's like a yellow tinted wood. I I just I just get the sense that that wasn't that well taken care of for a long time. Oh, in Cleveland, what a shocker! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone shocked. I I hope that they sent it to a reputable person in New York City and got it cleaned, and then they're going to send it back. 
Well, it was last seen in Philly, so... Well, that's the thing. That's The other thing is it had been on loan for a long time. Yeah. So, I, who knows, <clears throat> you know? Hmm. Y- knowing that museum, they're probably selling it to somebody. Who knows? What, Philly? No, Cleveland. <laughs> no, they can't sell that. No, <laughs> no, no they, no, they no. wouldn't do that. They have an endowment the size of Harvard. Bigger. I'm going to fire their president for plagiarism. Um, that's a rotating door. <laughs> who even knows what it is anymore? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, anyway. I was, just to circle back to it, I did see the little brick, you know, criticism book, and I was like, should I buy that? That seems like a fun read. He was a bitchy cunt. Yeah, why not? Yeah, for 30 bucks, have a good time just going like, whoo! Yeah, that's worth 30 bucks. That's worth having in the library. To, you, you, would get, you would get use out of that over the years. Read a thing here or there when whimsy yeah. strikes you. Or if you're like, ooh, I need a doorstop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weighs a fuck ton. Like it's fine. It's small. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was. I was like on a. I was scrolling something where it was like new emerging people. Like maybe it was like an award something that was like new uh, new art something, and I was like, I don't know any of these fucking names. Am I just old now, or do I just not care? Could be both. Yeah. I also learned I have face blindness, so like you know, oops. Oh, I have name and face blindness yeah, at I'm this like, point. Ooh. I mean, I just, I, and it's also mostly that I just don't care. Like, I just, I just don't care. I mean, uh, as I've said many times, the hit ratio of like new art that is appealing to me is so low. Yeah. That if if it appealed to me, I would remember instantly. It would be indelible. But I have not seen an indelible thing by a new face in ten years. So you know. Give me a break. I'm kind of like, everything's very piley too. Everything's piles. Like, everyone just went to, you know, Gladstone and was like, what a great idea. Let I me guess. do my piles. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't like, even know what to say. I mean, I really do feel like out of the loop on this because I don't, like, go out of my way to go to, like, smaller galleries very often anymore. I, I am pretty much just in it for the canon. And you can cover that in Chelsea and at museums. And I'm comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. I don't feel the need to go to like Nacelle Bouchine or whatever the fuck. You know, I, I, it just doesn't She's matter. Still around? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's good stuff out there that I'm just not seeing. Like, I wonder what it's like to be in grad school right now and get really excited about like something, something, you know, whatever. Well, like, I don't want to walk through Tribeca because I'm just distracted by the other shiny, pretty things. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes they're better. Yeah, like I, ooh, um, look at that home goods location. Yeah, right. Oh, right, right, right. What you know, whatever. I was looking at photos of this, uh, this like high end, you know, designer. I forget his name. It's I think it's like John, and then his last name's like Valeri or something. But he occupies the space that used to be CBGB. John Varvados. Varvados, thank you. That was scandal back in the day. Yes, I know. I actually read an article from 2007 mm-hmm. w- when CBGB moved out and th- that guy took over. But I was looking at interior shots of there, not because I like his clothing, but because he left the bathroom intact, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah, it's gross. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of a nice, like, culture jamming of, like, this punk rock bathroom and this, like, you know, sort of dated but really nice thousand dollars high-end yeah. storefront. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if the Barbados store is there anymore. I'm not sure either, actually. I mean, I, I, the the Google Street View oh, uh, makes it appear that it is, but at this point, I don't know if Google Street View is updated that much anymore. 
Oh yeah, no. I haven't seen that car with the like camera above it in, in a years. while. I feel like they covered the whole globe and we're like, we're done. No, it's there. Oh, it's okay. there. Yep. Who is that guy? Is he like Calvin Klein or something? I feel like he was like a designer for some bigger name, and then he did his own thing. Maybe not. No, John Varvatos was downtowny. Like it was, he was big in the metrosexual area. Whoa. Whereas, like, we're gonna get guys in like tailored blazers and like a sharp shirt, and then Express is gonna knock it off in a year and a half. That kind of thing. I see. Okay. But then, but it is really expensive and beautifully made. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah, but the shoes are shit. Oh man! Last weekend, remember my October Studios jacket that I bought in France that yeah. I, I adore. Last weekend, I took a little spill at the subway station oh. on one of the cold nights when it was like icy and salty, mm-hmm. and I fell down and I thought, "Oh no!" Because my jacket it touched the dirty ground. Yeah, and I thought, "This is horrible. I probably ruined it." And then the next day, I took a look at it, and whatever it is about that like Italian spun wool. Maybe it's like slightly waxed or something. It's not wool. But... No, it's Italian wool. Yeah. It, I know it. I know it is for sure. It's spun very. It's spun very fine, such that it's water resistant. I've looked into this. Hmm. Um, but whatever they do with that, I mean, it is waxed. It came right off all of it. All yeah. the salts. There was like a little gray mark from where my elbow hit the ground. Came right off. I was like, I need to get this dry clean soon anyway, because I've just been rocking it for like more than a year. Does it say to dry clean it? Yes. Ooh, interesting. Um, but that made me very happy, because I literally thought I had ruined it. No. You know? Yeah. It might be a cotton wool. I don't think it's 100% wool. It's pro- it, may, it might not be. I, that, yeah. that I don't know. Yeah. It is lightly waxed, though. Yeah. It's got a crispness to the hand. That's just to say you sparked my memory because uh, well-made things, you know, buy once or buy sad, you know, that's kind of the thing. Buy it nice or buy it thrice. That, okay, that's the that's the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what? I mean, I I have two bags of shit, so I've I've gone on a purging moment. I don't know, a Marie, I don't know why, but like Marie Kondo-fication mm-hmm. of my life, because I'm like, I get heckled, um by someone for the amount of shit i own yeah because i try to pawn off said things of like i'll fit you oh uh, yeah, yeah, fit yeah me anymore like i don't want your shit i'm like oh. i know okay fine. well and there is a lot of shit that just ends up sitting in bins behind the tv bins behind for years and years <sighs> sometimes it's papers sometimes it's sweaters you know you never know what you're gonna find in a plastic bin around 807 there green. is one plastic <laughs> bin we're down to one okay that's that's some pretty serious Marie and Kondo. two flat ones underneath the bed flat ones are good though that's satisfying they thin bins roll, that fit under the bed yeah yeah that's great um but i was going i was like what is all of it like and i was like i'm hoard like you know because i'm like the rolling joke is it has memories you can't throw it away and i'm like Yes, I kind of do have that, like, tactile thing of, like, the things, like, Proustian Madeline, like, I can touch it and go back to a place. And then I was like, okay, so let's go through it and see if it takes me anywhere. And I was like, oh, they actually don't. And yeah. my ass doesn't fit in these anymore. Yep, yep, yep. So. Yeah, what you're really holding on to is just some, you know, pathetic damage from your childhood in the form of objects. Oh. So it's nice to deeply have. Deeply embedded. It's duh, nice yeah. to have that realization and then go, no, this doesn't do anything for me anymore. 
Well, the and this is growing up. Okay. Do, do. <laughs> no. <laughs> Most of it is just like, oh god, skinny pants were a nightmare because m- I'm like, ooh, my legs don't fit anymore. Yeah. So. Well, because you're so jacked from running. Thunder and thighs. Leg Thank day you so much. Gym. Yeah. Can't yeah. button. I mean, I was like, ooh, I can feel the pul- my pulse in my calves oh okay. that's, that's no good yeah. although you know the boys at the gay bar might like that because they can probably feel something else but i wouldn't even no mm, <laughs> i wouldn't even be able to get my pants closed they'd be like oh easy access oh, geez. apparently a trend now is to zip a pant but then fold over the waistband why great question that it, what is it, who's doing this generation alpha yes. or something yeah. this is like a tiktok thing uh-huh okay and I'm like, I don't know. Who can explain it? I'm like, no, no. It probably comes from prison culture, like sagging did. You know what I mean? How many Gen Alpha have gone to prison? None of them? Well, I didn't go to prison as a youth, but I definitely sagged. Ew. You know? Gross. Oh, yeah. All the time. You know? And I got the pull up your pants lecture from my dad, my grandpa, from my my teachers. Yeah. You know, imagine how disheartening that would be to no see. No one needs to see a teenager's dirty asshole yeah you saw the moon landing and now you're seeing a teenager's dirty asshole and you're like what is happening and you're to like oh and it's the same thing's happening to us why are you folding over your zipped up pants why do that why do that it's gonna fall down yeah it's just gonna fall down but like from the front too oh yeah maybe that's kind of the point you know it's always about like peacocking a little, a bit little and danger revealing you know something you're not supposed to see in public But <laughs> no, <laughs> listen, you you can go see people's like full jock straps and assholes out in the world. Like I don't I don't need to see like you know a whisper. Yeah, yeah. Like no, put it away. We're not here for that. Well, a whisper might be more titillating to a youth than it is to you. You've been whispered at enough mm-hmm. in your day that it no longer impresses you. You you got to do something a little bit more uh, extravagant to get an elderly man's attention. <sighs> but if you know, flashback to your sixteen-year-old self, a little pube whisper, Blech. and you know you're having feelings you didn't know you had. Ew. I'm just saying. Disgusting. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, either way, I don't buy that theory for <laughs> for a good goddamn second. Um. No, I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I've been the purge is the purge is on. The one thing I don't know what to do with is a very long coffee table that I'm like, but I've had it for so long. The one that you refinished at yeah. one point yes. that's no longer That's no longer refinished and kind of gross, yeah. Well, I feel like you can just hang on to that. You should just hang on to that. You have a storage room. Keep it in there. Mm, I could also put that under the bed. He's <gasps> Because you never know what's going to happen. You get a new place at some point down the line. You, mm-hmm. you, you'll have a use for it again. And that's a nice object. That's not a thing you purge. This was the thing that this was the case that I tried to pitch. And it was like the response I got was it's lived a long life. I'm like, but then I'll be as soon as I get rid of it, I'll need it and I'll be chasing it forever. Well, I think there'll just be a point. At, and it'll be expensive. Maybe be maybe this is maybe this is the point that the, the uh, not here third party is trying to make. Is that. It'll become clear eventually that you don't need it. I don't think that that's clear right now. No. I don't think you're going to live in this apartment for the rest of your life. No. 
So I don't think it's clear to give up a ta- a table that you like worked on. I'm not saying that has like monetary value, but it has something more than sentimental value. Yeah, it's like a nice thing. It's teak. Yeah, it's teak. Oh my god, we don't throw away. They used teak. to make battleship decks out of that. You can't get that anywhere anymore. There's two things we don't. Maybe three. Two things we don't throw out. Three. Hardwood furniture. True. Cashmere. Okay. Well. And iPhone boxes. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just found a bunch of them, and I was like, "Why am I hoarding these? I don't need this." You, you know what? I. I was like, "What the fuck?" Okay. I shouldn't be so. Uh, I shouldn't rush to judgment because I know exactly what you mean. For the, the, it's just Apple packaging design is nice, and when you get it and you open it up, it's so exciting to have this new fresh thing, and you're like, "This box is so nice." It's like boxes that like Jeff Koons porcelain comes in are less good. Yeah. Then mass produced like iPhone boxes mm-hmm. and they're meant to be like part of the art. Yeah. So I sort of understand hoarding these. But yeah, there does come a point when you're moving or like years down the line where you're like, OK, I have the box for my iPad and my last three phones. I don't need this that. makes no, no sense. sense. It's yes. just cardboard. And then you purge it immediately. Well, once I cracked open because I was like, well, how do they do it? And I was like, oh, it's just a shitty box that they wrap in nice paper. Oh, well, of course. I mean, that's what boxes are. Nice boxes are just regular boxes wrapped in paper. Yeah, it was like... All the time. Oh. And if you do it with sucks. white paper and you can't really see the seams, you're like, ooh. Ooh, But sexy. that's just yeah. vacuum form. Like, it's yeah. it's really... When you think about it for a second, you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. I had that moment. I was like... Mm, you know. Set it free. Yeah. So, hey. <sighs> yeah. Let me tell you about one more thing in Beacon. To yeah, close out yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of a place called Quinn's? No. Okay, so the day before... We Akin d- to Mighty Quinn's Barbecue? Uh, I don't know anything about Mighty Quinn's Barbecue, but this is a restaurant. Mm. So we were given this hot tip like hours before we were going to Beacon. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Let's go. And it turned out to be really great. So Quinn's is the name of a defunct restaurant on Main Street in Beacon. Okay. But the new restaurant that moved in kept the old sign and kept all the same interior. That's just being frugal. Of like a 1970s restaurant. Uh-huh. So like it, it, it's not a dive bar because it was like more like a diner. Yeah. But it has like a, a an authentic dive bar aesthetic slash diner aesthetic from the 70s. Like mm-hmm. painted brick with like these patterns on it. Like um, I don't know. Just like a, a really nice interior. It's like what do or dive wants to simulate but without the you know insufferable effort and yes Uh co-eds buying drinks for girls they're not gonna sleep with it's like that Mm -hmm. but it's bigger and it's nice because it's upstate and you know they got space but it's a fucking ramen place oh so you go into this like 70s style dive diner and they serve really good japanese food And it was like, you know, I'm a hipster at the end of the day. I was like, this is perfect for me. Re almost didn't want to tell me about it because she was like, I'm not sure I actually want ramen today. So she ended up telling me about it. And I was like, well, we have to go there. She's like, well, okay. You know, she had to make the choice and then reveal it to me. Otherwise, you know, you're getting steamrolled. But uh, the ramen there was fantastic. It was miso-style ramen, which is from Hokkaido in the north of Japan. It's a much thicker uh, than you're used to 
Okay. Um, and, and you know, it's like more like it's not quite a gravy, but it's a it's a thick stu- soup that actually like sticks to the noodles. And of course, like miso, it's almost like a curry style one where you're like yes, you, yeah. And miso has its own flavor. Yeah. Um, very very good. I'd never had miso style ramen before. I really want to make it at home now. Mm. I mean, in every other respect, it was pretty conventional. Chashu, soft boiled egg. You get a little fish cake in there. That's nice at a restaurant. I don't do that at home. Um, but the, you know, we got a couple of apps too. We got octopus dumplings. Those were quite good. Mm. Uh, got some shrimp katsu, which is like uh, the same as the pork, like tempura battered, but like a shrimp patty instead of pork. Huh. Pretty good. Like an they, ebiten. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, they had a karage chicken. I decided not to get that. I wanted to go for like the slightly more exotic fare since probably when in Rome, only yeah. gonna go there once. But I can I cannot recommend this place highly enough. Huh. And this was like at we went there around five five thirty on a Saturday, and we had to line up to get in there because it didn't open until five, and pa- packed out immediately in a place where there's not that many there's people, not that many people which. To me, that's a good sign, and it was great. Hmm. So, if you're ever up there, I I just can't recommend it highly enough. Hmm. You know, because there's other there's other things in Beacon that I, I guess seem all right. Like a lot of like breweries. There's like a there's like a diner that's like actually like a '50s diner that looks not fucking pretty Phoenicia good. From hell. But you know, for something that was hybridizing like you know a niche city food. Yeah. With, like, you know, a nice Main Street experience in the small town. It was, like, kind of perfect. Oh. I can't imagine a better place to go. Quinn's in Beacon, if you're ever up there going to Dia. Especially on a cold day. What a, gr- what a oh, treat. It was, such, it was such a treat. And then re fell asleep for the entire drive home. Because well. this will set you down. I, <laughs> I ate about a third of her bowl, too. Oh. Because the, the heavier ramen. You're, like, God, you're, bomb. It, it's a bomb. Yeah. It's definitely a bomb. Yeah. So much salt. I was like so thirsty for I, two hours on the way home. I've been chasing the dragon of that place in in London. Cause I, Dude, I know. And then I finally saw a recipe that was almost the same thing. And I was like, ooh. Well, by the way, I've, I've been chasing that dragon as well. The The place is called Mensa Ramen House. Yeah. If you ever just want to like look at it. You know, I would say yeah. like once every three months, I just like look at it. <laughs> Because it was really, it was like really good, and it, and when you go online, it's like it doesn't have like a particular reputation, you know. As mm-hmm. far as people in London are concerned, they're like, yeah, it's close to the British Museum, it's pretty good. But I was like, I don't know, that place was fucking awesome. I just want that broth. That broth was insane. On a, like on a cold, especially like when it was so cold last week, I was like, because I went to Samurai Papa, yeah, recently, and was like, I'll get the curry one. That'll be the spite. That'll be close. And yeah. I was like, no, it tastes no, like curry. No, I want. The thinness and the heat. Well, see, that's the, that's the problem. Is like I think people, young young entrepreneur entrepreneurs and chefs in New York, they they want to do something that's going to stand out from the crowd. So they do a curry, or they do a miso, or they have some sort of gimmick. But nobody wants that. No. What they want is fucking just good, like classic ramen. I'll tell you what. It, it, I know Adam has allergies, right? Yes. Is it, it's not allergies? Yes. Okay, there's no real risk then. I feel like w- you guys should just come over and I'll make you some ramen. I'm not saying it's going to meet up to your expectations yeah. from Mensa Ramen House, but I think it will scratch the itch. Huh. My homemade ramen is not bad. I can tell you that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he just made chicken ramen. 
Who did? Adam did? Yeah. No way. Like from scratch or how did he do it? I have no idea. I don't I don't know. I just oh. saw a, I just saw a bowl and went, that looks good. Wow. I made chicken ramen the last time I made it. I made a varietal called Tori Python. It's chicken with a little tiny tiny bit of beef. It's very good. Well. Um Yeah, but I mean I'll I'll make you some pork tonkatsu. I my I the <laughs> recipe I made before was pretty good and and the spice level like the thing about the mensa ramen in london that really attracted me was just there was that orangey greasiness to the surface that was like i want that impossible to replicate but the one that i saw i've gotten close online that was close just had like a you know like a half cup of goju chang in it yeah yeah and then like a little bit of something else that i forgot what it was and i was like that looks like the one is that the one well i feel like you know, their broth was pretty conventional tonkatsu, like pork prone broth. Yeah. I have no idea what their, their tare was like, but mine's pretty good. You just got to experiment with the chili oil. I yeah. feel like the the chili oil I made last time was wonderful and, like, fragrant and grassy in a way that was beautiful, but it was very red. So I'm trying to think of, like, how you could make an orange one. Maybe um, more ginger. That maybe that maybe wouldn't do anything I, I don't know if that would do anything color wise and the color is not even important but it's like that it's like that flavor that's a little bit smokier rather than like green oniony yeah maybe it is just well you know yeah. there's there's peri peri sauce that like yeah. south american stuff so i learned from my japanese friend that a lot of ramen chefs are actually inspired by south american flavoring because mm. there's a large japanese community in peru and in brazil so sometimes when you encounter immigrant ramen shops that bill themselves as being really authentic, they are, but they're also using South American stuff. So what I would speculate about the orangey style ramen that we had is maybe this guy has Peruvian connections and there's a peri-peri influence that's on the chili oil. Huh. And that's what I would want to try. Interesting. And uh, all that basically means is that you take, like, uh, Mexican ancho peppers that are either dried or fermented, and you grind those up into your chili oil. Oh, an ancho chili oil would be delicious. Exactly. Wouldn't that be so fucking good? fuck. And I bet that's not far off from what we had. So that's what I would want to try. I think that would get you there. Ooh. Ooh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Huh. I think that's what we're looking for. I think that's the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. That's the dragon. That's the, what did you call it? Crank? That's the trank. Yeah. That's the trank in the ramen. There you go. Yeah. It's the Peruvians, not the Chinese this time. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. Should we move on? To the afters. Yes. yes. 